Welcome to Digital Packaging Disruption from CMYK. Here's your host, Dustin Stearman. Welcome back to Digital Packaging Disruption. I am excited to jump into today's discussion. I'm joined by George Pereira with Whitebird, a leading digital corrugated printing company and distributor packaging supplies and other fun things in the eastern part of Canada. George is Vice President of Business Development and has been along for quite a bit of Whitebird's journey into its digital transformation over the last four, five, six years. So looking forward to diving in. Thanks for joining us, George. Yeah, thanks, Dustin. So, you know, just before going head head, you know, deep into the digital transformation in that realm, let's talk a little bit about how you got into the packaging industry. I'd love to just hear your journey. I mean, it's one of those things where I think most people either grow up around it, have a friend in it, or somehow stumble upon it, but don't think about it necessarily if they aren't grown up around a relative that's in the space already. Yeah. Interesting journey. Actually, um, my journey followed the company's journey. So I've been with Whitebird for over 20 years. And when I started with Whitebird, Whitebird was already evolving. They started in offset printing with a couple of Heidelberg presses and, you know, we're in the, you know, the paper print business. That business had evolved by the time I joined, they had sold off the presses and got into selling a lot of supplies. Kind of like Uline, but with a very, very strong focus on the janitorial supply side of things. So, you know, I spent countless hours, you know, waking up in the middle of the night trying to meet janitors at one, two in the morning to try and demo floor finish, you know, so I could sell wax so they could, you know, make the floor shiny for when their, you know, their customers came in in the morning. So, our company got real, real heavy into janitorial supplies, cleaning products. And as that kind of dwindled down, a lot of the customers we were selling into started asking us for more packaging supplies. And like anything, when you're a distributor, you sell what's hot when it's hot. And so we shifted our focus and started selling a lot more packaging. And then we, we noticed that there was a great need for stock boxes in the marketplace. And so we we decided to take a giant risk and we bought 100,000 square feet of distribution place and we filled it up with stock boxes. We were crazy because we didn't even have the business to support $100,000 or 100,000 square feet filled with corrugated boxes. But we did it. We took a risk and literally within a year or so, we were bursting at the seams and, and our business evolved. So I guess to, to circle back and ask your question about my journey into packaging, you know, it, it just kind of evolved in it. I was selling toilet paper. And then the next morning I woke up and we were selling corrugated boxes. That's our, our packaging journey at Whitebird. You're not the only one here that was selling toilet paper. Um, back, so I don't know how, how familiar you are with my background, but I started in the paper industry okay, and also was supplying paper to printers, cheap fed printers, like you were describing Whitebird was before it pivoted yeah. into janitorial supply. But back in like 2011, 2010, 2012, commercial, you know, printing papers, as you know, became quite challenging to be a middleman in that realm, which is where I sat on that field was in between the mill and the printer. And I I started importing 108 inch wide rolls of uh, toilet paper and paper towel that were going to converters, actually, that would cut it down into, you know, jumbo rolls, like the stuff that you use away from home, which I'm sure you guys probably sold a fair amount of with janitorial supplies. Oh, yeah. Still do, actually. Still do. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. There was a ton of people in the paper space that just started running down that path to get into hygienics because it was a growth category where a lot of other paper categories, and again, packaging is too, but you know, people that were in the publication space and commercial printing papers are like looking for fresh life. Yeah. Um, but you know, margins aren't too great on importing a commoditized product, converting different story. Yeah. So swinging back to it, interesting pivot, like for wiper to go from commercial printer to janitorial supplies. And we'll talk a little bit about, you know, what y'all are up to today, but like, were you around, I think you said they had already divested the printing equipment when you joined Whitebird. Yeah, they did. So when I, when I jumped in, they'd already sold off the presses still involved in, in servicing a bit of our client base on the print side, but we basically started using trade printers at that time to do a lot of the print work for us. And, you know, we continue, even today, we still sell some print, but, you know, we're, we're using trade partners to handle that printing for us. As well, like, what type of print? Pamphlets, brochures, okay. um, postcards. So uh, traditional commercial work. Traditional commercial work. Yeah. Just because we don't have the equipment anymore. We sold it off. We really don't do a lot of it. it, it it's very minuscule, but you know, for the work that we do have, we'll just outsource it now to some of our partners and kind of keep going. Right on. So janitorial supplies, yeah. stock boxes. Yeah. And, and when did you guys get into stock boxes? Around what time? Probably about 10 years ago. We, okay. we got, into, got into stock boxes. You know, what's really funny about stock boxes, Dustin, is, you know, we had just about a thousand different sizes of boxes in stock. And, you know, before you get into the industry, you think, man, that's, that's a lot of different sizes. Certainly, you should be able to supply everyone. I mean, you have a thousand sizes. As we got into the space, we started, we had a growing demand for custom sizes, basically sizes that weren't in stock. And all of a sudden, you know, if we were to break that business down into a pie, you know, it didn't take long where 80% of our corrugate revenue was in custom sizes and no longer in stock sizes, you know, and, and I've got this entire warehouse filled with all these stock boxes and 80% of my revenue is in sizes that are custom that we don't stock. So we had to pivot again based on that demand. Because uh, we were outsourcing that once again to, to trade partners. And we purchased some corrugate equipment, folder flexor gluer, die cutters. And we kind of dipped our feet in a little bit and, and tried to play the brown box game and, you know, just to continue to serve the growing demand of our customers. And so that was probably about, I want to say about six, seven years ago, we, we actually got into manufacturing. And then, uh, and then business then evolved from there and, you know, certainly ready to tell you about our digital story and why we, we jumped into that. But yeah, so, you know, packaging or printing to janitorial supplies, safety supplies and packaging supplies into manufacturing. And today when we speak, probably 80% of our revenue is when what we manufacture as opposed to, so we've, we've really focused from a distributor to a manufacturer. Sure. With the bulk of our revenue in Corrigan now. It's an interesting journey, right? You know, to think back, started as a printing company, pivoted to more of a distribution model. Yeah. And then back into printing, converting, manufacturing, and obviously a level yeah. of familiarity there. But, you know, what would you attribute the willingness to evolve and change the business model several times? Like who in the organization really spearheaded that? 
in terms of one, you know, vision for what's possible and two, getting behind it to say, Hey, you know, we're going to put the capital behind a hundred thousand square foot facility with a ton of stock boxes that we don't have any purchase orders for. Yeah. I, I would say, um, so a couple things, one being with the company for 20 years, I was part of the succession plan. As I saw the founders of the company transition the business over to the sons. So there was a couple partners and, and, and then their sons took it over. Sometimes in your youthful early days, um, you take a little bit more risks or your tolerance for risk is maybe greater than <laughs> what it might be. I, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing this. I'd like to consider myself still quite young, but I, I'm thinking 20 years from now, maybe my level of risk might go down a little bit and I, I won't be so tempted to spend the big bucks. But because the succession plan took place probably about 10 years ago, we saw a lot of growth because of the ownership team that we had very, very hungry to grow and to expand and to try new things. So, you know, collectively amongst our leadership team, you know, we would investigate market trends and kind of talk about where the needs are within our own region and then within our own province and country and really identify, okay, well, where do we want to take the business? And, you know, we don't have the clients for this, but do we want to do it? And, you know, the risk takers, but no guts, no glory, right? So they pulled the trigger on quite a few things to get us to where we are today. And every single time that we've done it, you know, I don't want to say everything that they do turns to gold, but definitely their boldness and level of excitement for change and growth and innovation has really brought us to where we are today. So, I mean, I can't pinpoint exactly one of the owners, mostly because they might watch this podcast and, and be upset if I choose one of them. But, uh, you know, I give a shout out to our whole ownership team on where we are today. So, and that's what it's about. I think, you know, a cohesive ownership team, you know, the, maybe one person, one individual is bringing an idea to the table, but the ability to rally around and get excited around innovation is something that I think a lot of companies in the print and package industry actually struggle with is looking outside no pun intended, the box and being able to see opportunity that uh, maybe hasn't really been within within your business or their business for a long period of time. So that's obviously huge to be able to just lead that transformation of the business. And then, you know, then we start to talk about the digital transformation. So clearly there's an ownership team that's entrepreneurial and innovative. And then you start to talk about the digital mindset and it feels like that must have been brought in with the next generation of ownership coming into the business to an extent. And that's just an assumption I'm making, but I would, the little bit of time I spend in this digital packaging realm, it seems like a lot of the leadership today that is really opened up to proving what hasn't yet been proven comes from those that have grown up around this digital era. And not to say that there aren't others that you know are out there challenging and playing the game hard that grew up maybe in the boomers generation or even prior, but it's not common you find that generation really stepping outside of the comfort zone. Potentially, as you said, if it's not broke, why fix it? Mm-hmm. You know, we're making money, appetite for risk. That certainly could be a factor, but how did the company start to go down this path of digital print? And would love to hear where else the business is digitizing and driving the digital transformation. So that really just takes us back to our ownership's desire to, to pivot and, and to keep chasing the next opportunity. As I mentioned earlier, you know, you sell what's hot when it's hot. So we are constantly looking at new ways to compete 
And at the time when we decided to get into digital print for Corrigan, you know, we were in a very competitive space in the Toronto area. Selling brown box is very competitive. We've got competitors that are spending millions of dollars investing in really high speed equipment to sell a ton of square footage at really, really low prices. So we had to decide, you know, is that a market we wanted to stay in or, you know, is there something out there that's better for us? And is there something, you know, if you can't beat them in our market, I'd say, well, you can't join them either because it's just too costly. So why don't we do something that might lead them? And let's investigate some market trends. And, and that trend that we investigated was really the growing demand for custom printed boxes. You know, there is a lot of small startups, a lot of small brands looking to come to market. And with the growing e-commerce space and how easy it is, you know, for a couple hundred bucks to get a Shopify account and get an online business going, people want a packaging and they want their packaging to be pretty. They want it to look like a big brand. And so we were getting inundated with requests for that, but we didn't have the means to fulfill the requests. And so, you know, we started investigating digital print for packaging and and where it was going. And currently at that moment, when we were investigating it, it was all about multi-pass machines. And what I mean by that multi-pass machines is there are these big inkjet printers where the head would slide back and forth multiple times to, to cover the area of the sheet at a very, very slow speed. You're talking 100 boards an hour. And so that was intriguing. That was kind of where the market was at. And then, you know, we wanted to investigate, okay, well, that's where the market is now. Where's it going? And where's the innovation happening? And and the innovation that was happening was, how do we get multi-pass machines and digital print up to true production speed? And so there have been a couple major suppliers in the market to bring single-pass digital printing to the space, Barberin. HP, EFI, there's a few out there. And uh, we kind of investigated all of them and decided after our research that we wanted to get into the single pass game because single pass, rather than 100 boards an hour, we can now do 3,000 boards an hour. So now at those speeds, you know, we are offering true production speed capability at a really, really competitive price. And if we purchased that equipment the day we purchased it, we would be the only people in the entire country to bring that kind of innovation to the market. So really setting us apart from everyone else in the space and allow us to compete and grow in a, I'd call an up and coming trend was digital print for packaging. So we uh, probably about four years ago, we made that decision and we brought the EFI Nozomi to market. And it's been a crazy journey since then. Um, and, you know, even to going beyond that, you asked me about, aside from digital printing, what are we doing with digital? You know, obviously, even today, we're, we're exploring, we're implementing an online digital experience. Uh, I think you've seen that. There, there's quite a few examples of that in the marketplace where customers can come on and design packaging for themselves. They can see it in 3D. They can flip it around. They can get a quote. They can check out. They can follow up digitally and, and track the order through the production. They can digitally now track the order through shipping. You know, they can even follow on the, you know, the apps where their where their package is on the truck as it gets delivered to their door. So, you know, a lot of technology advancements have happened even since we bought the equipment to allow us to seamlessly merge digital printing from a production standpoint with a digital experience online. And that's really where the market is going. 
today. And that's where we're at. Fireworks are going off in my mind. I love everything you're speaking to is we, we talk the same language. I mean, we'll start with digital experience. Been thinking a lot lately about just what is digital packaging. I got into the industry back in 2013 in the labels category and was supplying self-adhesive raw materials to the narrow web converters. And much of them at that point had a digital press on their floor. So when I think about it back in 13, to me, digital packaging was digital print. It was a digital print dominated discussion. And I think most people that are in the market today still think of digital print when you talk about digital packaging. But I really believe that this new chapter that we're operating in this post-pandemic era, acceleration to your point of e-com, the new consumers that are entering the job force as it relates to buyers of packaging and the turnover that we're experiencing, digital packaging to me is really about the digital experience and the digital consumer and creating a digital environment more so than it is digital print. You know, curious and what your perspective is there from the buyers that you served, obviously the company's investing into the digital experiences you just laid out, which is exciting to hear. And I love to check it out sometime with you. You know, I think having that one point of contact for a customer to where they can go into their portal and see everything mm-hmm. is it's not the future. It's it's the now. Yeah. And you know, the, if they're able to access that in other parts of their life and they don't get that in packaging, they're probably going to go look for it somewhere else in packaging at some certain point. Like who's the easiest packaging company to deal with today? I don't think, you know, do, do you really think, do brands necessarily care about how you do what you do or do they look, do they care about how good of a service provider you are and the experience that you're delivering? And it just so happens that digital, the digital technology that you have removes a lot of supply chain complexity but most times brands don't necessarily ask, oh, how are you printing it, right? How can yeah. you fix my problems? Yeah, I mean, great question. Our customer base is, is a bit mixed on that. We still have some people that are, are pretty traditional. They want to know how we're printing it. They want to be on site. They, they come from the old like litho days where they want to be there for the press approval. And I'm like, well, if you don't get here quick, like the job's going to be printed and done. Like we're doing things digital now. Like don't take your time. You got to get here. So, you know, so we do have that percentage of clientele that are still pretty touchy feely and they want to be in the know and they, they want to be on site and they want to see stuff. But to your point, the younger generation that's coming in, it, it, it's all about what can you do for me now? And I don't really need a lot of handholding. I just point me in the right direction where I can order my stuff and when am I getting it? They just want it easy. And we have a, I don't want to give a shout out to all my competitors, but there's a company in Canada. I may they might be in the U S too, but they had this big slogan at one point and, and it was like, that was easy. And they just have this big red easy button that you would hit. And they would say that was easy. It was a, it was a cool marketing campaign, but at the end of the day, I think that's really what most consumers are looking for. Obviously they want great price. Obviously, they want great service and they want a great product. But I think even beyond all that, they want a great experience. And it's got to be easy. It's got to be simple. It can't be complicated. You know, man, I love websites where I can just check out as a guest. I hate going on and having to fill out a 10-page report on my life story just so I can buy a box of tape. Like, I'm not interested in that. And I think the easier you make the experience for the customer you know, the more revenue you're going to generate these days. And, and that's that's where I see the market going. 
Yeah, I think it's, you know, to that point, like you're accelerating the process, right? So the quicker that they can get product into hand, the quicker that gets on shelf at their customer's doors, the quicker they're coming back and ordering again, or the quicker they're launching a new product. And if you think about like how complex the package buying experience is, and it very much is still this way, it's painful, right? To launch a new product or a new package where you're, you're volleying things over an email, there's four people involved. There's, it's a highly collaborative part of the process, yet highly fragmented and broken when you look at like how it's been managed for so long. So digital experience, I have to assume, you know, that means investment into automation, workflow, pre-press, tying it to ERP, online portal. There's a lot of components that go into creating that digital experience. It's not like, and it doesn't take six to 12 months. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a journey, right? It's not a website. (laughs) Some people think, oh, it's just a website. You're right. It's not a website. If you truly want to merge, you know, your digital production with a front end digital experience, there's a whole bunch of software and workflow application that needs to happen in between to build the bridge between those two spaces. So that customer gets exactly what they want. It's not something that, you know, I, I kind of joked earlier and said for a couple hundred bucks, you can get an online store and you'd be ready to go on Shopify. That That is true. For the it's consumer, brand. for the brand, right? For the brand, but for what we're doing, you can't roll this out for a couple hundred bucks and be up and running. There's a significant investment into this digital journey to ensure that customers are going to get what they want, when they want it, how they want it. It's taken us years of development and research to even to get to where we are today. And I'm not even launched yet. Right. I mean, we're, we're doing a lot of digital printing, but my digital journey, even online from an online experience, I mean, shameless plug here, but like check us out in a couple of weeks. It's going to be hot. But nice. We're not there yet. You know, we're not there yet. And a lot of our competitors, you know, I speak to a lot of people in the industry, and specifically in the corrugate space. There's a lot of innovators. There's a lot of great people. There's a lot of people doing phenomenal stuff across the country. But if you were to break down percentage wise, how many corrugate plants there are, how many people are in the packaging space, and break down how many people are doing a digital experience and doing it well. Oh man, if it's if it's even three percent. I mean, I don't have the statistics, so you know we're gonna need some stack guys to get on this. But like, if we were to do the statistics on this, like, I would be shocked if it's more than three percent. Like, our industry as a whole is not there yet. I you think know? it's a good one for uh, Ryan Fox. I don't know. Yeah, shout out Ryan. With Fox. Ryan, right? We're gonna have to ping him, you know, post recording this and give him a new piece of data we need him to start scrapping together, which is who's what box shops out there actually digitizing the environment workflow and experience. I would guess that your 3% might even be high. Potentially. I would say it's probably below 3%. And that's just gut. I don't know the numbers either, but that's just my gut instinct. Like I can count on less than a hand right now who I know that has a decent you know, interface for their clients on the web that provides yeah. a good experience that's in digital. And by the way, you know, their their focus in digital might be different than Whitebird's focus in digital when it comes to Corrigate. There's a lot of different Corrigate that's produced out there. So, you know, circling back to it, <laughs> a question that came up as I'm listening to talk about the investment in, into the workflow and the online experience. I mean, and as you said, you know, multi-year process. These digital printing assets are forward-thinking assets, 
right? If I had a choice, I would build my workflow and my experience first and then go and pick up a digital asset because I feel that I could leverage that asset way more with the front end sorted out. But I'm interested in your perspective. You had a chance to kind of play it back, rewind, go back four or five years, knowing what you know today, having the confidence that you have in digital print today. Would you have gone workflow front end first and then asset or would you have done it the way that you did it? So I have no regrets with what we've done because our our ownership team, like I said, they're risk takers. They took a leap of faith when we didn't have any business or or even really a plan to execute, but they did it and and we've we've been rolling with it. So it's been good for us. But to, to someone who's new, who's getting into the game, if I was to give advice and say, this is how you should start, let's, let's build out your plan. I would say, build your front end first, build the experience use a network of trade partners to fulfill the back-end production side of things. And once you've built up that book of business enough to satisfy uh, the demand of the purchase, then you know I would go ahead and jump in and, and make that purchase. I'm not saying that's how we do it at Whitebird. I'm just saying that <laughs> it's, probably, uh, it's probably a wiser decision. Because to be honest, I don't want to say the back-end part is easy, but that's the easier part. I think the front-end part the whole digital experience is, is definitely to get it to where you want it to be. It's probably the more complicated piece and to drive customers to that. I mean, we haven't even talked about marketing yet. Like you're just talking about buying a website and some workflow and that, but like, how do you drive people there? We didn't even, you know, how do you do that digitally and drive people to your website digitally? How do you create that demand? You know, so there's so much to it. I think if somebody was to really tackle that part first, because the production equipment is quite expensive, right? You know, from a cost perspective, I, you know, the front end part and all that workflow is, is really a small percentage to the overall cost. If you're looking sure. at the equipment, like, you know, the presses are millions and millions of dollars. Your website's not going to cost you millions and millions of dollars. I hope it doesn't. Your marketing budget, your digital so, marketing budget could if you if you don't have the right folks, you know, supporting you. That's for sure. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. You know, I, I think like you know, roughly a quarter million dollar budget could get you a decent out of the box software stack to do the front end, right? And and mm-hmm. really end to end in terms of the software automation, the workflow automation, the power yeah. of the business, five six different tools, you know, in positioning of jobs, ganging up the digital work that's coming in. Four years ago, you couldn't do it for for a quarter million because people weren't spending money investing in the software like they are now. There are companies out there that are investing in software specific to the industry, specific to the workflow, specific to our our space to help us creatively put this together. Four years ago, you would have had to have hired, you know, some kid out of grad school to write code for you and you know, it would have cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars and you wouldn't have what you want. So yeah, to your point today, 100, 100%, quarter million bucks, you could have something pretty special. Right yeah, the barriers to, I mean, it's a great point, right? The barriers to enter on that experience side are way lower today than they were four years ago. Yeah. Completely agree. And, and just kind of closing the loop on that point, which is I come from the same camp, which is very much like, Digital packaging, digital experience, digital consumer, maybe digital print or digital print in a year or two, but jump into the digital packaging space to know that you're future-proofing your business, you're retaining your customers. Because 
as time goes on, we're going to see more companies that are, you know, like Whitebird that are realizing, hey, if we want to be in the game 10, 15 years from now, we better start investing in the digital transformation. And at a certain point, it's like the market, most buyers, in my opinion, most buyers of packaging, they've just accept, accepted the status quo for lack of awareness that there are actually better options out there. There's probably 90, 95% of the market, when you look at packaging buyers, could still be educated on what's happening in this digital realm, be it print or be it a new way of operating your business. But as that education rolls out and we see more of the market adopting to buying online and granted, like you still might not see certain customers that make a first purchase online. But if you can go in there as a hunter, be able to clearly communicate what differentiates you as a business to the competition, as well as the value you provide post onboarding and getting that, that customer's art into your platform and how easy you are to do business with, I think that's going to win nine times out of 10 right now, if not 10 out of 10. Like you said, the price is expected, you know, quality is expected. Experience is still a major area to differentiate. So going back to Shopify, you've mentioned that, you know, a lot of the brands that you serve or at least started serving through digital had built out, you know, a consumer product or some sort of a product that they're selling to consumers that you know, bootstrapped a few grand, you're up and running with a Shopify store, a little bit of inventory, and you can get custom boxes for, I don't know, what, what are, what's a minimum order at Whitebird? 75, maybe 50, 50, 75 boxes, something like that. Oh, wow. I mean, we don't have a minimum order, to be honest. You could order one. You just might not like the price. Sure. One. So but really, you know, I, you spend know. a thousand bucks. You're going to have some custom printed boxes to work with. You're going to. Yeah. Quite a few. How have you seen like the market evolve in terms of just the size and scale of buyer that's going to digital today in comparison to maybe where you started with that Shopify buyer? Like, have, have, Has the business expanded its reach beyond Shopify sellers? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're dealing with major CPGs all the way down you know, to the stay-at-home mom who makes hand soap and sells it on Etsy. You know, like, like literally everyone in between. Now I will say this, we definitely do not have the direct relationship, almost 90% of what we're doing from a digital experience or a digital sales process is to the trade. So we're primarily selling to other sheet plants, corrugated converters, packaging distributors, marketing, advertising firms, promotional companies. People that that have relationships with the brand owners are creating the packaging and then using us to fulfill the packaging orders. So that's that's the bulk of our business right now as it stands today. Not that we wouldn't ever change it, but that's that's mostly what we're doing right now. So when I speak to you about our customer base and say, you know, this is what we've seen, you know, that's also being seen through another layer because we don't have the, we don't have the direct relationship. But I can tell you this. And a lot of things have changed. Obviously, we want to we want to keep bringing up the pandemic that we're still living in. But you know, one of the things that we saw as a trend is when, um, and I don't know if this happened. We're from Canada, so when COVID first hit, a lot of brick and mortar shut down or were sure. closed. So you had limited access, and the brands had to pivot, and they had to pivot to shipping direct to consumer. 
And so instead of being on the shelf, they're now at the doorstep. And one of the things that we saw were brands, big brands, small brands, instantly have to pivot what their packaging looked like at the doorstep. So we converted people that were buying traditional flexo boxes with one or two color prints into these beautifully printed full color boxes because at the doorstep, it matters just as much as what it looks like on the shelf. And in fact, the customer is expecting the package to look like exactly what it looks like on their digital experience online. You were talking a little, you know, obviously shared that fair amount of business and work is done with the trade. To that point, is it fair to assume that going into the digital print side hasn't necessarily really forced change in your really how you go about selling to the market, go to market strategy? I would think go to market strategy probably has changed because of the digital capabilities, but how about more so on just the sales side of the business, like your sales org, you know, sales team, what that's comprised of and how you sell? Has that changed at all since going into digital three, four years ago? Or do you foresee it changing with opening up an online experience? Obviously, as the demand for digital print packaging increased with our trade partners, we had to support that demand with a sales force to help. A lot of our time is spent educating our customers on what the digital print can do for them, as opposed to even from building print files. You know, the traditional customer today, man, they're so used to offset printing, you know, that they design everything for offset print and not for digital print. And, you know, so what that, what I mean by that is for people that are might be listening today is here's how the typical design goes with one of our customers and probably many of your customers. You take a box or whatever substrate you're on, a bag, a pouch, anything, and you just make it a solid color. So they're like, okay, flood coat this thing blue, and then we're going to put our logo on it. And, you know, and that's typically how most people design their packaging. Where with digital, what they don't understand is there's no limits to what can be printed. So if you're selling batteries, why aren't you putting a photo of your battery on the packaging so they can see it? An actual photo of the product, as opposed to just saying batteries you know, and letting people imagine what that battery looks like, like actually take a photo and put that on the packaging. And believe it or not, by doing so, in many cases, we're actually using less ink, which in turn reduces cost and improves the brand image. So now we were able to, in many cases, build packaging that looks better, which will help the brand sell more and will reduce their cost. It's a win-win for everyone. But so to talk about how we change our sales process, We've had to hire salespeople to actually hit the street and talk to our customers and educate them on that process and teach them how to sell digital because they don't know what digital is and what it can do for them. And so many of our customers bring opportunities to us that are meant for traditional print methods. And we're like, whoa, 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 this could be so much better. And here's what you need to know. And so that education, man. We're at, so we didn't hire salespeople. We brought we hired educators, high Teachers. quality educators to hit the street, yeah. and uh, that's what we're doing. You know, that's I think that rings true for most who have been around this digital printed packaging space for the last five, seven, ten years. 
so much more of a consultative and as you said, educational play than it is a sales play to the point that like, if you're, if you're getting in front of the right audience and you're doing a great job of helping them understand how you, they can leverage digital to solve their pain points, digital will go sell itself. You don't have to sell it. You really just needed to really be a good, as you said, a good educator, a good teacher. So, you know, that opens up another topic, which is when it comes to being that educator and that teacher, it's definitely a different sales process than selling conventional. Most conventional print salespeople are accustomed to, unfortunately, chasing price. Certainly, there's some additional value, but it's just a completely different sales process. So have you seen folks that have joined your team that, you know, do they have prior print and packaging experience? Do you bring in folks that might not have industry experience where it's not like you're having to necessarily reteach a new way of doing things, but instead just start fresh and and, and green? Love to hear your experience with that. Yeah, I'd say our team is comprised of a good mix. You know, we've had some recent hires that have come from outside the corrugate specific industry, but certainly have packaging background. We've hired people that have come from the high graphics packaging industry, but not not with a tremendous amount of digital print. Now, when we talk about you know what Whiteboard's invested in, we've inv- we're an early adapter of brand new technology. You can't go out and find someone who's got years of experience selling what we're selling because it didn't exist. We're the first to market, so that's really been. I mean, we're the trendsetter. So you can't hire someone with experience for that. So it's been a learning curve for almost everyone that we've hired, but we have hired some that have some understanding of color, have an understanding of graphic packaging. And then we've hired others that, that have no understanding of it, but are learning. And that's okay. You know, it's, it's all part of the process and the journey. So our sales process and, and experience is probably very similar to a lot of people in this space at the moment. You know, it's, it's a growing trend which means people are learning about it. And so are we. Sure. Yeah. I think the key is just, you know, if you, if you've been in this industry on the, on the conventional side, you're looking to go to the digital side. It's just really approaching it with the mindset that you're open to new ways of doing things. If if you're coming in thinking that you've got it all figured out, yep. Been in this conventional print world for 25, 30 years, you're going to shut yourself off from the real potential of, of digital. And, you know, I've had the pleasure of meeting plenty of people that have the conventional print experience that crush it in digital because that conventional print experience is tribal knowledge. It's super valuable. But also I've met plenty of folks that just weren't able to embrace a new way of operating. And because of that, struggled mm-hmm. in digital. Yeah. You know, on the, on the sales process side of things, if you were to call out where you see the opportunities to evolve. So, you know, obviously you've got customer experience that is going through a complete overhaul right now, where do you see opportunity within the sales realm within packaging as a whole, not specific to Whitebird, but just the packaging industry? Where do you see sales going over the next five, 10 years in terms of just the evolution of the traditional, call it hunter versus what and, and versus farmer. And in, in many cases, you see a lot of companies who have what they call hunters who have unfortunately become farmers because they don't have clear delineation between the roles. So now your best hunters are actually spending more time doing transactional work than they are selling. Do you see room to like evolve that? And especially with going into this online realm, 
where you know it's more of an, an e-com experience sales needs will be different right yeah I, I mean are you trying to get me shot by the end of day today by asking these kind of questions like <laughs> you know to all the sales people out there i want to be clear you are loved and cared for we value you and your skill set but as the growing demand for the digital experience that digital experience is cutting out a lot of people in the middle it's cutting out accounting people it's cutting out customer service people it's cutting out um sales people it's cutting out production people it's it's cutting out a lot of people to create the workflow and experience that's simpler and easier there's always going to be a need for someone to take a product and to sell the product and there's always going to be need for someone to want a product and to buy a product how we get to those two points of buying and selling is evolving and changing today it's going to be different this year than it was five years ago and 10 years from now it's going to look completely different even from now i can foresee the sales team of today evolving into a more consultative educational driven how do i say this position than an order taker you know you meet your clients you take orders you ask them for more sales and, and stuff like that i i don't see that happening i think I think we're going to get to a point where the digital experience is going to follow up with the customer and say, hey, I noticed that you're going to be running out of boxes soon. It's time to reorder. Like that's going to happen digitally. That's not going to happen because the sales reps on top of his order flow and he's going to call them and say, hey, you know, you're, you're almost due for another order. Like, you know, the data or the uh, intelligent business data is AI, EI, whatever you want to call it. But that's all improving and it's going to overtake some of the stuff that's being done today. So the salespeople are going to have to evolve. It's going to change. They're going to have to become really, I think, more like educators than, than salespeople because we're going to take the sales process online digitally. And I want to be clear. No, I'm not trying to get you shot today. Um, okay. Uh, I think we've got real issues out there, right? Like We love our whitebird salespeople. I just want to throw that out there. We love them. So. <laughs> the, really, you know, the way that I see it, I, I agree with your point on the evolution of the experience and how that impacts the role of the salesperson. But look, everybody has labor issues right now. Everybody has staffing issues right now. If we're not automating and we're not going towards tech, then how do we solve for these challenges? And you know, a little bit of discussion that I've been having is that these issues are going to become worse because of at least here stateside, and, and it was a global issue. The 08 financial crisis, people stopped having children during that period of time. You didn't have as many, you know, people coming into the world. So when you look at the amount of available talent today, and what some people are saying, and I think it's 2026, 2027, 2028, it's expected to be more challenging. We as an industry have to look to technology to automate where we can so that the folks that are available to come and join your organizations and the precious talent can ultimately focus on high value tasks versus low value tasks, which a lot of our time over the years has been spent on transactional workload that can be automated. So I just want to be clear on that. Definitely uh, not showing a lack of appreciation, just there's some real challenges we we face here in the forward-looking years. Um, yeah, it's going to change, right? It's just it's it's going to change. It's going to they're going to have to adapt. 
and what that looks like is is just going to evolve. But totally, and, it, and look, but it's still going to happen. Man, you can't stop it. Right, right. So you have two two options: either open up your eyes and be okay with change, and innovate as an individual, even right. Like if you're in sales right now and you're listening, and you've been in the, the conventional side of the biz. And you're planning on working the next 10, 15 years in this industry, you need to be open to rethinking what the role might look like. That's huge, right? I think you're right in terms of it's education, it's consult consultative, it's management of the relationship more so than out, you know, trying to push a sale across the table. I don't it'll be a long time before we see the hunter role disappear. It's just going to become less relevant, I think, than what it was in the past. I've spoken to quite a few business owners in the space who have told me they'd rather spend $250,000 on marketing than they would on new sales reps. That's a true statement. And so when we talk about the hunter, you know, the hunter's changing in what it looks like. The hunter is now not a salesperson. The hunter is now a marketing manager or a supportive role within that department because it's gone digital. The hunter is now a digital experience. It's not necessarily... I don't know. I mean, back in the day when we were selling janitorial supplies, I was knocking on windows late at night because I'd see a janitor like cleaning and I'd try and knock on the door and ask him who he was and or who she was and be like, hey, you know, I want to show you my products, you know, open up the coat. I got this for you. Like those days are done. <laughs> Pop and open so, the briefcase. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, yeah, the, I mean, the hunters are still going to be there, but it, we're going to hunt differently. We hunt differently now, right? Totally. And that's that's what's happening. Well, I think that point, you know, when the audience goes to the cloud, that's where you need to be hunting. That's where you're going to likely yeah. get a better ROI. Take a quarter million and apply, as you said, digital marketing, take a quarter million and apply it to conventional selling. What's going to acquire more new customers and more revenue? And you need to be thinking about it that way. Hey, so I'd love for you to share just a little bit before we wrap up on like what fires you up to be in this digital print space? What gets you out of bed in the morning, just like ready to go? Oh man, you know what? It doesn't take much because I'm a, I'm a pretty high energy guy as a whole, and I've been in the space so long that I sleep it, I dream it. Small funny story, not quite funny because if you know if my wife was in the room, I might not be smiling at this moment. But I literally eat, sleep, and dream about packaging and and my work. And I love it. I have four kids. I've been married for twenty years house and dog in a minivan. I'm rolling, I'm rolling high. But uh, there was a time when my wife was literally on, well, in the delivery room, delivering a baby. And I got so excited about the products I was selling that I, I got sidetracked and started making a sales call in the middle of the delivery. I, shout out a recommendation to all the men out there. Don't do that. It, it will not end well for you. But, but I, I say all that to say, like, listen, like, that's how passionate I am. I live it. I love it. If you want to talk about, you know, what am I dreaming about? What am I excited about? What, what does the future look like? You know, all things digital. And, and I, I mean, everything from the digital experience all the way through to the digital product. And it's not just Corrigan. I mean, it's anything that we could digitally print, that we could package up and ship out to a customer that would, would create value and make their life easier. And so, like anything... And, and so for me, it, it's about exploring market trends. It's about networking with people, engaging with people to talk about, well, what's the newest and greatest and biggest and baddest? And how do we get that? Because I hate, you know, if we were to go back to the days when we were kids in a sandbox, I want to be the, the new kid in the sandbox 
with the newest, biggest, baddest toy. You know, I don't want to be the guy on the swing by myself with nothing to play with. So that's what I get up for. I'm, I'm hyped about what's new, what's innovative, what's exciting. How do we get it? How do we get there? Every day, all day. That's what I live for. What I hear is the, the passion of being part of building the future. Yeah. Yeah. Hey man, I love, I love the passion too. I mean, it makes these chats really enjoyable when you get to connect with somebody else who just shares that passion for being in the space and the energy, the excitement. Um, absolutely had a pleasure catching up with you today. Thanks for making the time, brother. And uh, look forward to wrapping again soon. Hey everyone, it's Dustin. Thanks so much for listening to the show and being at the front lines of this new exciting era in digital packaging. Make sure you hit subscribe, leave a five-star review and a written review to tell us what you think. Thanks for listening and see you again next time. Thank you.